I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, I have very exciting news. I think I have very brilliant listeners, gorgeous, perfect specimens. But you guys are not great at understanding how to write reviews. I've had to walk a few of you very highly intelligent people through how to do it. So I think I finally simplified it a little bit. So you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash kind of cute. I'll have it linked in the show notes and you can leave me a review that way. And hopefully that'll make it easier for everyone. And as usual, I would love it if you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have y'all seen Steve-O from Jackass has duct taped himself to a billboard as promo for his new uh, comedy special called Gnarly? And at first the reporting was just like, man has duct taped himself to billboard in LA. And I don't even think people realized it was Steve-O because I feel like that's how irrelevant he is right now. So I feel like he had to do something like this because... I wouldn't be talking about him otherwise, that's for damn sure, but you need to go see the picture of it because it is just an obscene amount of duct tape, and I wonder if there's some sort of structure also holding him, but knowing Steve-O, I'm sure it is just duct tape. It is a sight to see, though. I will give him that, and he's like on his phone videotaping people who are videotaping him. It's kind of a metaphor for 2020. (sighs) Anyways, let's get into something more serious and give some little bon appetit updates. Last week, we talked about how Rick, Priya, and Gabby said that they would no longer be doing video under Condé Nast Entertainment, but so far, and I apologize if I'm not getting everyone in this, I actually don't follow all of them on Instagram, and I tried to cover my bases, but from what I've seen, after that, the other people who have stepped down have been Carla Lally, Molly Baz have also said that they are not going to do video any longer. Ryan, who we spoke about at length, who was uh, Adam Rappaport's assistant, she's quit working at Bon Appetit. I think she's going to go on to do amazing things. Jesse Sparks, he was the, one of the other only black people employed there. He also has quit. So they quit. These other people have just stepped down from the Condé Nast Entertainment side. And interestingly, around this same time, Alex Delaney finally emerged and he did his first Instagram post and he gave a two-part apology on Instagram. So it was 20 slides worth of apology. And I'll give it to anyone who has to do this. I think these kind of online notes app apology-esque things are very strange and a tricky thing to navigate. I don't think his was that great because in in the first part, he's very apologetic. But then on the second part, he goes to outline everything he's done at Bon Appetit, all of the accomplishments he's made, exactly what he was getting paid. And while obviously pay transparency is a good thing when we're talking about whether certain people are unfairly getting paid more than others, especially white men getting paid more than their uh, black counterparts, I see that the transparency there is important. But it just felt a little tone deaf and felt, felt a little flat because it came across as a little mansplaining and kind of just trying to justify when I think when you're giving an apology, it has to just be completely humble, no ego, not justifying anything. And that comes across better and more sincere in in my opinion. I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on the apology. I haven't actually looked at the comments on it yet, so I don't know if it's being accepted well or not, but I definitely think he probably could have pared it down. 
I think it's telling that his colleagues are stepping down and he hasn't made a single statement about stepping down from Condé Nast video. So it's just an interesting kind of juxtaposition with the actions that the other his coworkers have taken. All right, moving on to something a little lighter. I think me talking about my most recent Netflix binges should just become a segment because it seems like every week I've binged, you know, two more whole series of a show. So one of the first ones I did was Unwell on Netflix, and it kind of shows believers and skeptics of these goop-esque healing things. So there was essential oils, there was water fasting, there was breast milk used as sort of like muscle growth. There was bee stings for Lyme disease therapy. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but you get the gist of it. And I think the fact that it showed sort of the believers in it and the skeptics tried to give a balanced view. Again, we talked about this so many times before. It's like a documentary is never going to be without bias. So obviously there's a slant to it. But I felt like it was sort of a fair representation of people saying, hey, look, this genuinely worked for me. And people being like, well, there's no scientific backing for it. But obviously the placebo effect is a very strong and real thing. And I am not, I am guilty of, you know, involving myself in a little woo-woo therapy. Um, but really, I think the thing that struck me on this show was how so many of these things are kind of just stolen from Eastern cultures and completely colonized and, as Kenzie said, like bastardized, basically. And I have obviously thought about that before, but seeing them all next to each other in this sort of format versus like what you get with the Goop series, it is a little eye-opening. But really why I wanted to talk about this, because in the episode where it's the breast milk episode... There is this guy, he's basically, he's not a bodybuilder, but he's like a dude who wants to bulk up in the gym, you know, get, get swole, if you will. Oh, he is trying to become a bodybuilder. Okay. Kenzie, correct me. Clearly she pays more attention to these shows than I do. Kind of irrelevant to what I'm getting at, but basically he decides he's going to, you know, buy breast milk on sort of the black market because there's it talks about you know milk donor centers which obviously are super needed for you know premature babies and uh babies for whatever reason that their mother can't provide breast milk I would like to point out that I was formula fed and I think I turned out kind of okay but maybe this podcast would be doing a lot better if my mom had let her me on the tea you know who's to say so he's he's buying this from a woman who has a young child she saves her breast milk and she was doing this because she was pumping so much extra best milk and most of it she would just donate and then she was like you know what money's kind of tight why don't I donate some of it or I'm sorry sell some of it so she sells it for you know a few cents and I think it was 35 cents an ounce um and he's like oh it's a great maybe 50 cents per ounce maybe that's what it was less than a dollar and he's like oh this is great like he's so amped about getting this breast milk and the scene where he meets her to pick up the cooler full of breast milk is one of the most awkward scenes I've ever seen on TV. (laughs) He is like cracking jokes and she's just not having it. She's just dead faced the whole time. And at one point he says, do you feel a little weird like being in here hustling your boob juice? And I lost it. Like, how have I never heard milk referred to as boob juice? Oh my god, I'm still laughing about it. It's just so funny. So anyways, that was pretty good. Uh, And then we obviously binged season three of Selling Sunset. And it reminded me that Heather Ray Young was 
in Playboy. Now, Heather is the one who is actually now engaged to Tarek in the show. She's just like talking about, you know, how obsessed they are with each other. And it's she annoys the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I, I decided last night I wanted to go look at her old Playboy spreads because I was curious, like what the vibe was, because she also in this, this season talks about how she likes a landing strip on on her vagina and lo and behold in her playboy she has a landing strip so you know at least she's consistent i i also decided i wanted to look up denise richards uh lisa renna joanna krupas and during this i learned that uh luann is actually the only one who's had the honor of appearing on the cover of playgirl so i i really did some deep diving and had to clear my google history after that but just thought you guys would like to know and i think it's on theme today with our first article called Celebrate Your WAP Today by Sanjita Singh Kurtz. So since WAP by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion was released last Friday, there's a very high likelihood that you have heard it already. But in case you haven't, let me tell you that it's a bop. And if you are wondering what WAP stands for, W-A-P, it stands for Wet Ass Pussy. Now, if that seems graphic to you, you might want to skip this segment. And I have to start off by saying that I find it absolutely hilarious that the quote-unquote clean version of this song replaced wet-ass pussy with wet and gushy, which arguably is a hell of a lot more graphic, no? Like, I think it is. (laughs) At least pussy is an entendre. Wet and gushy? I mean, yeah, that's either describing a pimple or this, you know? But the video is so fun. I'll let Sanjita describe it for you. She says, The video sees Megan Cardi in a luxurious funhouse decorated with golden statues of naked breasts with the rappers themselves outfitted in a variety of couture bustiers. They move from room to room singing about wops while writhing in a nest of vipers, dancing with exotic cats, thrashing around in a shallow pool, and doing the splits a lot. The video also has appearances by Normani, Rosalia, and for some reason Kylie Jenner, but probably because she lived nearby and was free. So let me insert myself to say that there was a fake tweet going around that it was made photoshopped to make it look like Cardi B had tweeted it and it said something along the lines of people are wondering you know why Kylie was in this video but I really wanted to showcase women of all talents so I wanted to show a woman with no talent but I want to clear it up Cardi did not actually tweet that but something she did tweet was the following people think WAP is so nasty and freaky except people from Florida and let me tell you I felt that So this video has a lot of parallels with Little Kim's Ladies Night video. Well, that's what Sanjita writes. I didn't see a ton of similarities, but there are ladies supporting ladies in that. It brings together a ton of hip hop, girl power, amazing ladies. And there are tigers in the video. And it's kind of the same energy, but WAP takes it, you know, a step farther. So let's get into our lyrical analysis. The title does not beat around the bush, no pun intended. And this song does some genius lyrical work of talking about how wet their vaginas are. Uh, I've decided instead of saying vagine, I'm now going to say vagina since Kenzie gave me a hard time about not saying vagina. But I think we can all agree that vagina just has a better ring to it. Because it's not. The vulva also isn't cute, okay? It's vagina. So my favorite lyric is, I don't cook, I don't clean, but let me tell you how I got this ring. Hey! 
okay now when i first heard this i was like yes feminist queen and then genius informed me there is an extra layer of shaderade behind this lyric it says that this could also be a throwback to her fellow slash rival Nicki Minaj, who sang in David Guetta's 2014 hit, Hey Mama. Yes, I do the cooking. Yes, I do the cleaning. Yes, I keep the Nana real sweet for your eating. So I thought that was a fun piece of trivia. Then Megan raps about pay my tuition just to kiss me on this WAP. Now we've talked about here on here before about how impressed I am that Megan has stayed in college. I know she took a little break at some point, but I think that was really before her career really popped off. And as of 2019, she was still in college. She goes to Texas Southern University. And I want to know, are those little TSU ladies clutching their pearls or no? Can someone advise? All right. And my personal favorite lyric, macaroni in a pot, that's some wet ass pussy. Huh? Now, this is my favorite because I learned on TikTok, I saw the guy who made the original Vine that this, I think, was inspired by. And it was a 2014 Vine where this kid, while his mom is stirring macaroni and cheese, says, that's what good pussy sounds like. I'll insert the sound of it right here. And then another lyric that has been getting a ton of of you know talk talk of the town about it is i want you to touch that little dangly thing that swing in the back of my throat my head game is fire punani dasani <laughs> I, I sound like a robot um <laughs> but she's clearly talking about her uvula um in case anyone was wondering I'd like to take this time to say that City Girls, they have a song with Doja Cat called Pussy Talks, and I think it needs to have the same hype as WAP because it has some hilarious lyrics about the vagina. And I was also this week going to talk about this real life dude who grafted a penis on his arm to help it grow so it could be attached back in its real place. But I thought that combined with WAP would be a little too much this week. Um, This isn't meant to be an X-rated podcast, so we'll save that for another time. Moving on to our next article. Happy 10th birthday to this incredibly polarizing shoe by Marie Lodi. Honestly, I just hadn't talked about a Marie Lodi article in a while, so when I saw this one, I was like, yes, I missed her. She writes, when it comes to ugly shoes, we often think of the unholy trinity of Uggs, Crocs, and Tevas. But there's one controversial footwear choice that is very specific to the 2010s, the Jeffrey Campbell Lita. She writes that the Lita is an obscenely chunky lace-up ankle boot with a two-inch platform and five-inch heel. Okay, I'm going to try to give you a more concise vision of what these look like. I think the best way to describe them is like a clown shoe or a bowling shoe that hits at the ankle but then has an insane platform in the toe and a high chunky heel. But the fabric covers the full platform so there's no seam on the platform and these came in tons of colors but I feel like you would usually see them in like a black or a beige so the summer of 2010 was the golden age of fashion blogging she writes and I mean it really it 2009 2010 was like peak celebrity culture and I don't 
I couldn't tell you if I was ever into these. I was into a lot of trends like these, but I have very big ankles and I don't think these would be hugely fat laddering on me. But I probably did love them because she writes that Demi Lovato, Ashley Tisdale, Jessica Alba, Camila Cabello, and Ashley Benson were all photographed in them. Lindsay Lohan wore them to Coachella one year and apparently even David Hasselhoff was seen at a pair at one point. I feel like I need to Google that. I should have done that before because I think I need a visual for that. And then in 2013, the brand released a wedding line of Lita's called Cold Feet. (laughs) They were made from lace brocade and blue velvet. So, I mean, that's a very tongue-in-cheek name. Do do you think it's because, like, they felt like it was a joke if someone actually wore those to the wedding? Like, they knew it was doomed before it even began if someone wore those as their wedding shoes? I, I don't know. It's kind of genius at the same time. But then this article goes to talk about how insanely comfortable these shoes are. And I find that shocking. But I do know that a platform can be kind of cushiony and comfortable. But can someone vouch that these are actually comfortable? Like, I really feel like I need to know. And Jeffrey Campbell still sells new versions of these on his sites this very day. And apparently over the years, there's been like hundreds of iterations of this. You can get like cat covered ones, like goth, unicorn ones, anything you want. Basically, they have on these shoes. And... People were tweeting that the Lita is its own pandemic. They call them Great Dane ass shoes, which is probably the best comparison because they do kind of look like Scooby-Doo feet. And other people wrote so disgusting, dot, 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 so iconic. Honestly, that kind of sums up like the 2009 in a lot of ways and maybe 2020 now that uh, we're here. And it says if Tevas and Crocs can make a comeback, perhaps it's time for the Lita renaissance to begin. But in my opinion, maybe some things really are better left in the past. But I have seen so many things coming back with Gen Z that were such early odds fashion. I mean, we've talked about this throughout this entire podcast, but I feel like in this cultural moment specifically, we have so many little clips, so many butterfly motifs, little furry shirts, little spaghetti straps with the straight cut across, little leather skirts. I mean, just so early aughts, like, and even before late 90s it's kind of like the span of like clueless to mean girls you you're getting all of that kind of look coming back again i mean i do like it i can't lie like i look at it i'm like oh i kind of do want that on my body yeah yeah super 10 things i hate about you kenzie says all right next article hooray an abortion buddy comedy by sanjita singh kurtz y'all i am so excited for this movie sadly it doesn't come out until september 10th But time is so weird and warped right now that I'm sure September 10th will be here before I know it. And I've literally gotten to the point where one of the main things I have to look forward to is new TV and straight-to-streaming movie releases. So Sanjita writes in an interminably long list of bummer abortion movies with some great exceptions like Obvious Child, St. Francis, and Grandma, it's still not that often that a terminated pregnancy is anything other than the dark center of an upsetting storyline. So when a movie that depicts abortion is not only essential but ordinary, perhaps even comedic, I breathe a sigh of relief. Now, I have only seen Obvious Child out of those three movies, but I really did love Obvious Child. It is so good. If you haven't seen it yet, I think it's on. It's definitely on like Prime or Netflix or one of those. So she says, needless to say, I'm thrilled about HBO Max's Unpregnant, which is one part road movie, one part buddy comedy where the protagonist needs to terminate her pregnancy. But that fact is part of the broader story arc of her character and not just her one thing. 
So we love that, a multifaceted movie, a multifaceted woman character. But let's get to why I am most excited. It says it stars Haley Lou Richardson as Veronica, a straight-A high schooler senior who's all set to pursue her Ivy League dreams until she gets pregnant. Veronica must turn to her friend Bailey, Barbie Ferreira, her grungy ex-best friend, to drive her to the closest clinic, which is nearly 1,000 miles away. Dogs notoriously have my name, but it is very rare that a cool-ass friend played by Barbie Ferreira, shares my name in a movie. So I am hype about that. I also was a high school senior set to pursue my Ivy League dreams and bless up, I did not get pregnant. But I still think like I could relate to this. (laughs) Me having like not kissed a boy or touched anything or done anything at that age. (laughs) All right, last up. Finally, a useful billionaire life hack by Madeline Aguilar. On Tuesday, billionaire media mogul Sumner Redstone died at the age of 97. So Sumner Redstone, he started out owning drive-in movie theaters in the 1950s, and then he basically built a media empire. He controlled about 80% of the voting stock in Viacom and CBS until his once estranged daughter, Sherry Redstone, took over them both in 2018 and oversaw their massive merger in 2019. So it's coming out that to help him communicate in his old age, people who've recently met with him says that he has an iPad and it's loaded with snippets of his voice connected to buttons for words or phrases so that he can just, you know, click a button and then it says his voice saying something. So apparently he has yes and no programmed in there, which, you know, very useful, very pragmatic. But then he also has fuck you programmed in there and apparently uses it a lot. And this article, Madeline says, wow, finally a useful tip from a billionaire. But guys, if this doesn't paint what an absolute asshole this dude was, like what does? I just, he could not have been pleasant to be around. All right, on to our legit shit for this week. I have two of them for you. First up, it's the got to be glued styling spiking glue. Now you're probably listening to this saying, what the fuck? It's not the 90s. I don't want to spike my hair. Why are you recommending this? But guys, no, it's for your eyebrows. It's a great replacement for an eyebrow gel. Now, it does literally feel like glue in your eyebrows, which can lead to like a little bit of, you know, flaking of the glue if you mess with it too much. But I'm telling you, this stuff has better hold than you will ever get with an eyebrow gel. And it comes in like a huge squeeze tube because it's a hair product. So it's probably worth like 25 or 50 little, you know, eyebrow gel container things. So I have the link for that in the show notes. And Ashley Graham actually uses this, the one in the black bottle instead of the yellow, but they're really similar products. And if it's good enough for that goddess, it's good enough for me. And since we are talking drugstore finds this week, I wanted to share another one with you. I have always been a huge fan of Aquifer, Vaseline, all of that stuff. But recently I got a big thing of this CeraVe healing ointment. And it has extra ceramides in it, which are, you know, they help the moisture stay in. And so far, I'm really loving it. You can use it everywhere. You can use it if you have like chapped lips, chapped hands, anywhere like dry skin. It feels like a Vaseline, but you can never have too much of that around. I'm telling you, just you can literally put it over your whole face as an occlusive to like keep all of your products like in so you can get all that moisture in your Sahara skin if you're anything like me. All right. I will see you all next week. Bye.